If your business gets hit with a cyber attack, that could be the end of your business. We'll discuss that and more next on the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. All right, welcome in everybody to another episode of the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. I'm your host, Marty Carpenter. Joined today, two longtime friends of the pod, Dan Schuyler from Valcom and Anthony Boise from Sophos. Guys, how you doing? Doing, doing great, Marty. Yeah. Uh, everybody uh, still staying healthy and safe uh, as we continue to shift to, I guess, uh, uh, better and better colors on the COVID-19 scale. Yeah, that's it. All good, good things on my end. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Good, good. Everybody healthy on, on your sides. Um, for those uh, loyal listeners, I've just got over it. <laughs> I had COVID-19 over the past... Uh, I guess uh, uh, I, I tested positive probably about two weeks ago, and uh, but now have gotten past it and gotten cleared by uh, my local health uh, health department. So uh, on the up and up uh, for everything in our household uh, we as need, well. We need to get you the "I Survived COVID" hat or "I Survived COVID" T-shirt because you deserve it. Yeah, it's actually where I think the state has fallen short. They could really generate some money on that because I want something that says I I won. You know that I, I that I beat it. Um, but also, I want something that I can just wear so people know, like, hey, I don't have to be as cautious as the rest of you, allegedly, <laughs> depending on what you're listening to. So uh, maybe my security level goes down a little bit based on COVID-19 type things. But let's talk cybersecurity instead. And our uh, top story this week coming from Inc.com, the headline, no one will do business with you if you don't do this right. And essentially what they're saying is the uh, this uh, research firm, CyberEdge, uh, had some numbers that in 2019, where we talked a lot about ransomware, 56% of organizations that they surveyed were compromised uh, by ransomware. By ransomware, and in just the first three months of this year, uh, the number was already up 62%. Now, those types of things don't make big headlines most of the time, unless you're really focused in on cybersecurity. But when you've got uh, Australian wildfires, an earthquake in Utah, a global pandemic, cancellation of all sports. Uh, you know, these things tend to get lost in the shuffle a little bit. So uh, I, the, the basic point they're driving at is that there are a number of businesses that don't do a good job and don't prioritize their security. So I've got just a couple of questions to kind of lead off our discussion here, uh, fellas. And, and uh, Dan, let's start with you maybe on this one. Are businesses more inclined still to pay ransom than they are to pay for security and if that's true, why is that? Well, I think the question should be, are businesses more susceptible uh, to ransomware versus putting in security uh, controls to defend their organization against ransomware? And I would say, uh, for the most part, we're still, we're still seeing a lot of businesses who don't have robust security controls in place to prevent a ransomware attack, whether it comes through an open... Uh, RDP uh, connection, or it comes through a phishing email or a malicious website, uh, we're still seeing a continuing increase or, or a, a trend of ransomware uh, across the nation, and organizations are getting hit sometimes more than once, <laughs> which, is, which is quite astonishing. You would think after you got hit with ransomware one time, you, would, you wouldn't want to ever go through it again, and you do everything you can to prevent it, kind of like Kind of like COVID. Kind of like COVID nineteen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only difference is you're not a, you're allegedly not immune to it, right? We we think that maybe with the virus, but with cybersecurity, not as much. Exactly. So, uh, to, to answer your question, I, I think 
I think, and again, most of the attacks are against small businesses. Clearly, there are large organizations like Honda just got uh, just got hit last week with ransomware. But a majority of these attacks are coming against uh, are targeted against smaller businesses, SMBs, because they have the smaller budgets. They don't have all of the uh, the high tech security controls in place to defend against a ransomware attack, and so that's why we're seeing a majority of these businesses uh, fall victim to ransomware. Anthony, what do you make of that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, Sophos also does quite regularly um, uh, these types of studies and, and to see, you know, the sheer number of people. We, we actually put out a report each year uh, called the State of Ransomware. And uh, we've just recently uh, released one in which we actually, uh, you know, um, interviewed and, and questioned and, and received feedback from, uh, over 5,000 um, uh, companies go from all over the you know, world and business sectors and what have you. And uh, what was really kind of interesting is that what we came, uh, came to find out is that uh, one in four victims actually paid uh, the ransom to get their data back. And, um, and so we're talking about one in four companies. So, you know, like in the, in the question of, you know, do, do people actually pay the ransoms? Yeah, I mean, one in four are, are, are paying the ransom, at least from, from what we've seen. And, um, and so, and then, you know, a further 1%, they paid the ransom and they didn't get the data back. So that's another question. Like, you pay the ransom, but does that mean that you are getting your data back? I mean, maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of one of the challenges. But again, that's a different question. But um, yeah, these, they, they don't care necessarily, large or small. Right. Uh, I mean, some of the big entities are, are government. Uh, we we hear quite regularly regarding governments getting hit, but uh, I think I think we hear about that a lot because they have to report it. Not necessarily. Uh, it doesn't mean that the smaller entities aren't getting hit. Uh, Sophos offers some really uh, awesome uh, anti ransomware protection, uh, and in some discussions with some people, they're like, "Ah, oh, we're not really a target." Well, I disagree. Everyone's a target. And uh, it's just, well, we're, we're smaller, we're, yeah, that doesn't really, doesn't really matter so much. Anthony makes a, a great point about, uh, you know, you, you can pay the ransom and there's a good chance you're not going to get the decryption key uh, and your data is still going to be encrypted. And, and the FBI's advice is don't pay the ransom. Uh, I'm not going to uh, tell an organization what to do. But the FBI does track these uh, ransomware groups, and they can tell a business that has been hit with ransomware whether or not, if you pay this, uh, if you pay this group the the ransom, if they'll actually give you the decryption key to get your data back. And so they're they're actively tracking these, so you will know that hey, if you pay these guys, they're not going to give you the key, or if you do, there's a pretty good chance you will. Um, so it's an interesting game we're playing. Yeah. So make sure you just get encrypted and ransom from the honest ones. That's right. The most honorable of thieves. That's the ones yeah. you really want to get. That's when you know you've really lucked out with ransomware. Uh, Cause I know it's a moment where everyone feels really lucky. You know, CEOs usually make bottom line decisions. They, they look and say, here's my cost, here's my risk. And they're, they're sort of assessing what that risk is. So I, I just wonder as, as, ransomware incidents increase why are ceos willing to run risks when it comes to security it, it, to me if they see the numbers 
they won't rationally get to that decision. The numbers don't align up to say, we don't need to spend on security. And of course, there's really no way to say, yes, we've, we're 100% protected or we still have some vulnerabilities and it's an ongoing thing. But I guess, why, why take that, calcula- that calculation and say, we don't need to do it? Or is it mostly just out of ignorance? If they, if, they don't, if they don't understand it, that's where they end up being vulnerable. And if they understand the, the real potential cost and risk associated with it, that those are the ones who get it taken care of. Is that how it is, or are some people just sort of living in denial? I I think it's a little bit of a a couple of things. One, living in denial. Uh, Two, uh, thinking that they've got the right controls in place. I've I've heard time and time again, I back up all my data. I, I don't have to worry about ransomware. And my response is, well, sure you do, because even though you're backing up your data, that doesn't guarantee that your data hasn't been compromised. And there is a cost to a loss of business continuity. It may take you a week, two weeks or longer to recover even from your backup. So yes, it's great that you're backing up your data, but is it an isolated backup? Is it, is it a clean backup? How do you know that the ransomware didn't get backed up uh, and is now in your backup so when you restore, you're going to get hit with ransomware again? So backing up is, is great, but there are some specifics around those backups that you need to follow. And so I think it's a lack of understanding. It's a lack of thinking that they have the right security controls in place. And it's also a lack of doing a risk assessment. What is going to be the risk to my organization if I get hit with ransomware? A lot of organizations don't do those internal risk assessments. If, I, if my business goes down for an hour or for a week or a month, what's that cost to my organization? And I think once these companies that are, are turning a blind eye to that – do these risk assessments to understand what the cost of a, a breach would be or a ransomware attack, I think they'd be more likely to be proactive uh, with regards to that. Do you guys yeah. see in your experience that when, is, when a company has been hit with a, a cybersecurity incident and they go through all the hassle of what that is as far as letting people, letting their customers or clients know and dealing with regulators and hopefully fixing the security issue. Uh, For those who do suddenly think, okay, I went through that. I don't want to have that happen again. This is going to be a priority. Does it remain a priority or is there sort of a slow fade back to the original posture? Like how long does that pain point seem to stick with most of these businesses from from your experience? Anthony, let's start with you. Yeah, uh, well, so so I typically come in either in the before or the after discussion. Okay, so um, it, where where I come into it, so Dan may end up um, having a, a better insight as the as the partner, as one of Sophos's um, you know uh, top tier partners, and working with us and and working with with our, our joint uh, customers there, and and helping either with their recovery or or with with kind of getting in. So from what I see. Uh, when we have discussions with folks, uh, with companies, it's quite interesting when we start talking about our anti-ransomware type protection, we say, hey, we have X, Y, Z, right? We have this protection. We have Intercept X uh, and built into that is anti-ransomware protection. Have you ever experienced ransomware? Oh, yes. Okay, so you have, cool. So what do you have today? You know, and, and so we get into this discovery phase like, what do you have today that helps you to prevent what you've experienced previously? Yeah. And thankfully, what we're there to do is, is to offer 
we may be there because they've experienced ransomware already. So it's on the forefront of their mind and then they can rest assured that, you know, that, that Sophos and, and our, you know, trusty partners like Valcom are, are there by their sides and helping them to keep sort of security at the top of their mind. Um, and or uh, they may have experienced it a couple of years back and they're literally doing something now about it or they've just, you know, they didn't make it a priority. So I, I think we actually see a bit of both, right? Um, uh, and, and, for those that, that got hit and got hit uh, really hard, a, aka not easy to recover from, uh, you know, the ransom was super high or their recovery period was, was quite intense. Just as an example, based on that same study that I referenced, uh, for those that paid ransomware, on average, the cost is $1.4 million. Okay. Now, now that, that's pretty high, but paying the ransomware, because even when you pay the ransomware, there's still inevitably things that you've got to use from backups. There's still inevitably, you know, there's, there's still been that downtime. There's still been, you know, and so on and so on. So there's still cost, uh, but 1.4. Uh, for those that didn't pay ransom and just did the second half of what they would be doing anyway, if they paid the ransom, we're looking at about half that cost. So at, at, at about 730,000 is from the studies that we've done. And, and we have, we have, um, uh, in this survey, we, we surveyed uh, small to, to medium uh, companies. And, and so we've got quite the broad range here being covered. So we're talking about $1.4 million versus 700000 and uh, for those that didn't pay. So those that experience it, what are they doing next? How are they taking the next steps? And again, that's where, thankfully, they're able to bring in people like uh, you know, Valcom and, and then, and Valcom, you know, with us by their side also come in and, and start taking care of their needs, which, um, some people take it serious and, and some it's like, Oh yeah, it happened. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's a, there's a new tactic that these ransomware groups are taking fairly new instead of just encrypting your data, they're not only encrypting your data, but if they can, they're exfiltrating your data and, and holding it hostage because, a lot of organizations, to Anthony's point, are not paying the ransom. So they're thinking, well, how can we get them to pay the ransom so they'll, so they'll, they'll want their data back? Well, let's, take the in, in, let's not only encrypt their data, let's take it, hold it for hostage, and tell them we'll put it out in public. Well, now, if you're, if you're a healthcare organization or a financial services organization or somebody that's got proprietary data, you certainly don't want that data out in the wild and you're more inclined to pay the ransom. And so that's something that organizations that have really sensitive data, uh, personal health information, financial data need to take into consideration because that is a new tactic that these groups are taking. Yeah, it just seems that a business that understands what the real risk is would wanna put the efforts forward to be secure uh, and of course have plans in place still in case something goes awry. Um, but it's, it's just amazing to me to hear that there are some who can go through the pain, uh, go through the hassle, go through the expense of having some type of cybersecurity incident. And then on the flips, on the, on the far side of that, once you get through all of it, not take the steps to prevent it from happening again. You know, there are easy ways to learn lessons in life. There are hard ways to learn lessons in life. And there are stupid ways to keep learning lessons over and over again. Hey, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I uh, want to get into something, a little bit of what uh, Dan just teed up there about uh, health uh, organizations, whether it's a hospital group or some other kind of uh, HIPAA-related organization and uh, some breaches, because we had one here locally in Utah, uh, and we'll talk briefly about that when we come back after this on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. 
Aren't you glad there isn't training for the fish to teach them how to avoid your hook and bait? Informational phishing is big business for hackers and they love that your end users don't know how to identify it. Attacks have shown record growth in recent years and a solid security awareness program is an integral part of any defense in-depth strategy. Lucky for you, Sophos has created a phishing attack simulation and training for your end users. Sophos Fish Threat educates and tests your end users through automated attack simulations, quality security awareness training, and actionable reporting metrics. So train your users how to avoid a hacker's hook and bait. Go to vlcmtech.com slash fish. That's vlcmtech.com slash phish. Allowing your employees to bring in their own devices is like allowing them to bring in a security time bomb to your workplace. So how do you take the burden of onboarding so many new devices off your IT department without sacrificing security or policy enforcement? Look no further than Aruba ClearPass. ClearPass allows you to safely connect business and personal devices to your network in compliance with your security policies. It allows you to allocate access to devices based on users' roles, device type, and cybersecurity posture. At Valcom, they're all about saving you time while still protecting your privacy. Dismantle your time bombs at vlcmtech.com slash clearpass. That's vlcmtech.com slash clearpass. All right, welcome back to the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. Uh, Dan Schuyler and Anthony Boise along with Marty Carpenter. So glad that uh, you're tuning in. Uh, last segment, Dan, you kind of teed this up a little bit for us, uh, some health organizations that have had uh, some breaches. And, and something like that happened here in Utah just in the past few weeks. Uh, KSL reported, and we'll have the link up on our website, that the University of Utah Health System uh, fell victim to a phishing scheme uh, an outside party got in and got patient information that included birth dates and clinical information, uh, and they got in through employee emails, so some kind of phishing scheme that, that uh, gave them access. Uh, the report goes on to say that the, authori- the unauthorized access uh, to employee email accounts occurred between April 6th and May 22nd uh, after some employees responded unknowingly to phishing schemes sent to their email accounts. Now, they say they took prompt action and kind of got this all locked down as quickly as they possibly could. But now, of course, it's an organization that's got to reach out and tell a bunch of people that their information may have been accessed. And this is one of those fun ones that has a HIPAA um, with health information protected there as well. So I I guess, uh, fellas, no word on whether or not the phishing scheme was specifically COVID-19 related. Um, But we know that there's been an increase in that type of, uh, of phishing scheme out there trying to get get people as everyone's kind of shuffled off to offline work or as there's more information uh, coming out about the virus uh, that, that there were a lot of emails and a lot of vulnerabilities suddenly that popped up that may not have been there otherwise. So let me start here. Are health companies like hospital systems, are, are they bigger targets during a pandemic? Um, and if so, why or, or, or are they not? Just is it, there's nothing about a pandemic that makes them more susceptible than just the regular person who might get fooled by a phishing scheme. Is that is that right, Anthony? Yeah, so so are they a bigger target or are they an easier target? And I say easier because at the moment when you're in a state of heightened alert, you're you 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 take things at, at face value and you the natural and I've spoken about this in, in previous podcasts, the natural human inclination is that 
we desire to trust and we desire to, you know, kind of, especially in a time of, of trial and a time of turmoil and, you know, at that point, humankind, that's when we start to see common ground, right? Um, it doesn't matter what the circumstances in time of trial, things go out the window, differences go out the window, beefs go out the window, and we're all here to, especially when we start talking about like a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. and, right. and we come together. So, you know, a phishing email at that point, although yes, in this case, we do not know if that phishing was specifically related to, um, to COVID-19, but at the same token and time, it's a very vulnerable time. Uh, you know, mail's coming in, it, it could show some level of urgency and, uh, due to the, the, the chaotic nature of, of everything that's going on and that they're dealing with, uh, patients coming in and out and, and working and dealing with, uh, you know, the challenges that, that it presents, I can easily see that it being a, um, again, not necessarily a bigger target, but an, but an easier target to, to really catch someone off guard. Now, along with that, uh, Sophos, even, even we have, um, you know, we, we have a, in our phishing campaign type, uh, product, we have even added ourselves a, a, a COVID campaign, right? So that, that companies can use that to fish, fake fish their employees to test them, to help them stay alert, to help them stay on top. And, and, uh, because in times and events like these, the world is fully aware of what's going on and they are going to be using the bait that catches the fish, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's what we see. I was just going to say, Anthony's right. The healthcare sector is a prime target right now because everybody in the healthcare sector is stressed out because of COVID. And to Anthony's point, they're letting their guard down. Um, they're tired. They're exhausted. And these attackers know this, and that's why they're a prime target. Yeah. Is, is there anything in particular that a hospital would have as far as personally identifiable information that is more valuable to a hacker? I'm thinking of medical records. Is that somehow more valuable to a hacker? And if so, is that because it puts more pressure on the organization to pay a ransom? Or what, what is it that makes that information valuable? Well, so with PHI, you not only have PII, personally identifiable information, but you also have the health information of the individual. You have the reason why they're uh, seeking health care. They have some sort of health problem and then a diagnosis has been made. Drugs have been prescribed. You've got uh, relatively, if, if the personal health record uh, is robust enough, you've got their whole health history and these groups can use that uh, as, as to hold hostage, uh, that information hostage for the, to the individual and say, hey, I've got this information. You probably don't want this out in public, do you? Uh, certainly, it might impact your ability to get a job in the future. You certainly don't want your friends or neighbors to know this. And that's one tactic that they certainly can take. Yeah. Yeah, and another, another one there, Marty, is, is um, be nobody, that's, that, that could be used as a stage one attack, right? Stage two is now bringing together that information and being able to now craft something, I've got all the information about you, so I can now craft something very convincing to you, saying, hey, we are now following up on boom, 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 right, that, that you had, and you now have an outstanding bill. You now have, that's $5,000, that's $1,000, that's whatever it may be, but it, it, this could be, and, and possibly in a lot of cases, the phishing is like stage one. Stage two is, you know, how can we get a step closer how can we maybe even gain that data 
and and uh, you know cross-reference it against other databases that we have already. See that there's a common match. Now we start seeing some similarities, some commonalities, and maybe we can form a password there and we now start hitting their bank account or you know whatever it is even creating a fake bank account and and start uh, sort of sending them emails saying hey log into your bank your password's being reset and now have some personal information a little bit more personal as the secret questions and so it makes it sound more convincing you know so again stage one but then stage two and stage three that could follow could be quite uh, damaging yeah Interesting thoughts, guys. Uh, appreciate it on this one. That'll wrap it up for this week's episode of Cyber 24 presented by Valcom. Uh, Dan Schuyler, Anthony Boise, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Thanks, for having thanks us. Marty. This season of Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and service provider with the drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35 plus years means they have experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. At Valcom, you get much more than just a dedicated IT retailer. They actually become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and productive. Check them out vlcmtech.com to learn more about Valcom's end-to-end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and so much more. That's vlcmtech.com. Cyber24 is supported by the Utah Department of Public Safety, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. In addition, the University of Utah's Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute is where we record this podcast each week. At the Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute, they're dedicated to helping Utah make informed decisions. We're also proud to have the support of Secuvant, a Utah-based company providing business-enabled cyber risk and management. Every week on this program, these great partners will provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. We appreciate your support.